So, I don't know if anyone noticed. Does anyone even care? But I've been off Discord for a couple weeks. You know, <laughs> holiday craziness, all that jazz. Um, but I just got to catch up on all the things that have been going on. And the thing that really warmed my heart was seeing... Uh, how many minutes everyone's been listening to our podcast on Spotify. You know how it gives you that, like, what's your top podcast? How much of your life have you, you know, let consume? <laughs> I don't know. How much of your life has been consumed <laughs> listening to three people talk about a board game? Multiple <laughs> times. Yeah. Some truly uh, almost worrying numbers. No, people are putting up good numbers. It's impressive. Uh, really good numbers. Uh, and I, I'm like that about podcasts I listen to, too. So uh, no no shade there. Uh, I'm very honored, and it's uh, very cool. It's invigorating. Is it even your favorite podcast if you've listened to all of the episodes less than three times? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Are you even going to be good at Root? Do you have a Woodland War Machine tattoo? And I'm not talking about a root tattoo. Oh, no. I'm talking about Jake Michael's face on your body. In meeple form? Oh, that'd be so cute. My tongue's just to the side, and I'm standing away watching you two talk calmly in the clearing. <laughs> hey, welcome to Woodland War Machine. Hey, we- we- yeah. hey everyone. Welcome Hello. to Woodland War Machine, a podcast all about root. Um, we got a really great episode today where we're covering the second half of Group A's hirelings. Um, but when we started this, when we first recorded part one, it was like the World Cup had just started. And by the time this uh, airs, uh, the World Cup will essentially be over. But this competition is still going strong. That's all right. season long. <laughs> and speaking of uh, tournaments that reverberate around the entire globe this week in root news i love that breaking with tradition there has been a grand announcement by none other than garrick samples games go check out his twitch channel the winter tournament is on you guys <gasps> here we go it is happening. It is still double elimination, although there uh, has been the addition of a loser's bracket, which I think is an awesome addition. Yes. And that's for lesser cool people to enter? What is that? That's correct. You can submit yourself as... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, basically, because Root is one of those games where there is only one winner, but there's many, many people who are vying for that victory. If you win your game, you continue forward in the bracket but if you lose your first game you will sort of like get sorted into a loser's bracket where everyone else who did not win their first game is going to be like paired together and played this is so great because in the former version of the tournament you could play against multiple people who'd already won right yes and it became important to know the meta Mm -hmm. kind of information about who was already on a win and who was through to the semis etc etc and it really did affect people's decision making about how to king make about who to put pressure on during the yeah. game it, it um yeah it was interesting because you sort of had multiple lives to play with and this one is a little bit more uh I, I think it's structured a little more neutrally if that makes sense like each game that you're in it is truly all four players must win you know what i mean it's about that game it's not about the tournament outside of it exactly yeah Mm -hmm. which i think is a super positive development i love that change it's such a small change makes a big impact i love it 
And so just for all of you listening out there who want to participate in the winter tournament, here's how you do it. Go check out Garrick Samples Games uh, on YouTube or on Twitch. There's instructions there. But basically, you just have to join Garrick's Patreon for the month of December at the $5 tier level. And then uh, all of Garrick's patrons will receive uh, instructions for how to join the tournament. Make sense? Yeah. So this is, you know, unlike... Uh, in previous tournaments, you do have to pay at least some money. You have to be a part of Garrick's Patreon. But this is well worth it. Gar- the amount of work that Garrick has put into this game in general, and the tournament specifically, and this upcoming tournament, like, he, the the man deserves more than $5 from you, okay? It's he deserves true. a medal and a crown. It, it's very hard-earned <laughs> cash and... Frankly, I'm happy to, to, you know, pitch him the dough. I think it's great. Uh, So this tournament is official. It is sponsored by Leader Games. And there is a prize pool. So if $5 seems daunting to you, just think. If you're listening to this podcast all the time, you have a good shot of winning several hundred dollars. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a wise investment, says Kyle. Uh, And, you know, us on the podcast, we'll all be participating. We need to, you know, get to that sweet final game and get Kyle the rest of the expansions of Root. I mean, that is... I need this, you guys. What are you you missing right now, Kyle? I'm missing the Riverfolk expansion. No, um... I'm sorry. I'm missing the underground... Underworld expansion. Wait. Shoot. Mm -hmm. The Underworld. You don't deserve it. (laughs) (sighs) Sorry, guys. It's finals week for me. I'm in grad school right now. I'm like, my brain is melting. This is the... This is the fifth, like, meeting... In my schedule today. Oh my God. goodness. Insane. Okay. So I'm missing the Underworld expansion. And I really do believe that funding my purchase of the Underworld expansion by winning a root tournament is like the only way that I, I, I want to get there. Because you know what's better than money? Yeah. Food. Root. Uh, oh. uh, but glory. Glory is what I was going to say. <laughs> I just want to be clear. Any Wimmy who gets to the finals... You don't get to buy Kyle the Underworld expansion, okay? It has to come from Jake Kyle. No, we will intercept and return it. Yes, that is not (laughs) acceptable, okay? I know that you're trying to be nice and you want... To, to to help finish the arc, but you you are not allowed. You I'm sorry. You don't get to write yourself into this season of Woodland War Machine. No, I mean you can you will be in the season. We will talk about you if you're in the final game. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. You oh, it for that reason. And and please let us know like on the Discord how how your games go. Um, it, it, the tournament won't start until uh, I think mid January. I don't have the specific date in front of me, but middle of January, look forward to some regular broadcasts coming out of Garrick Samples Games. We are going to keep you updated here at Woodland War Machine to the best of our ability uh, of the progress of the tournament, how things are going. We'll definitely keep you informed of our personal journeys through the gauntlet that is Root Tournament Play. Um, I'm just so excited. I can't wait to get rolling again. I just got chills. Okay. Here's I what I will say, though. so pumped to compete We again. had one of my favorite favorite episodes of last season was talking with famous tournament player walrus law about his legendary performance with the corvid conspiracy during the previous winter tournament so this is i wouldn't say like a challenge to you guys but just know that if you show up to your tournament game and have something legendary happen let us know that way if like we didn't catch that game or whatever we're still like you know hopefully gonna be 
you know, finding some storylines to follow in this in this thing. I can't I can't wait to see what happens. I was gonna say whoever crafts stand and deliver, you know, um, but <laughs> unfortunately, only exiles and partisans. Stand only exiles and so. partisans. Here's the thing that we should discuss, though: the Corvids are getting a small buff. Oh, this that's tournament. right. This is interesting. I love this buff too. Now, th- if you've been on the internet, <laughs> you will no doubt be aware that. You can't throw a rock on Discord without hitting a, like, wall of text about how to fix the Corvids. Yeah. It feels like it resets every, like, week or so. It used to be more, <laughs> but basically everyone would, like, get together and, like, brainstorm about how to fix the Corvids. And they would always pitch the same, like, 25 ideas. It should just be a weekly meeting at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, the roulette wheel has stopped, and the, the buff that we're going for in this winter tournament is drumroll we're adding more plots to the corvus now we're not changing any of the plots we're not adding any new ones we're just increasing the number that they start with so instead of starting with two of each instead the corvus will have three of each plot to start with that will give a little bit of extra kind of secrecy and sort of muddy the math that players are able to do to uh, hard counter the corvus by counting and for those of you that don't own the Underworld expansion, there's four <laughs> different types of plots that the crows can have. That's right. So it takes us from... Uh, eight to twelve? Eight to twelve. The yeah. magic number twelve. Yeah. Now everything's coming together. <laughs> and what's great about this buff and this change, if you have a copy of the Underworld expansion in real life, then you'll know that you actually have those extra plot tokens. They give it to you, just in case some get scuffed up and then it's hard to be secret about what plots they are. They gave you extras. So you could start testing this in real life right now. I actually don't own the Underworld expansion and did not know that. That's fantastic. Are you saying that we have to get to the tournament final and get you the Underworld expansion too? I'm saying I actually need you to enter streetcar racing once... You start driving, and that's the way I want you to buy me the Underworld expansion. Yeah, yeah. Someone who has the most experience behind an automobile. But that's, see, that's the thing. You're a huge underdog right now. Like, your story is what's really going to send you into greatness. And that Honda Fit, once we really get a real engine in that thing. Excuse me? It's a Honda. I think it can get up and go. for anything. (laughs) That's amazing. Any other big uh, news on this uh, tournament, Kyle? Well, it's it's probably going to be shorter than last time. That's uh, that's probably good. Are there hirelings? No. There are no hirelings. It is going to be uh, all EMP. There will be landmarks, uh, although it will be uh, much the same as last year, where on the mountain map, instead of having the tower landmark in the pass, instead they'll be using the Lost City. See our episode about the Lost City. If you want the inside lane on cool tricks, <laughs> traps, and techniques to uh, get an edge over your opponents if you choose the mountain map. I think lots of people should choose that map, by the way, because it's awesome, and the Lost City's freaking amazing. The Lost City's not happening in the other maps, though, right? It's just the mountain map right now. Yeah, yeah, just the mountain Got map. It. And then okay. the ferry, which is has been retconned to uh, be a landmark, uh, will also be on the lake map. So, two landmarks for two different maps. Elder Treetop did not make the cut, sadly. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Just put it in the winter map, Garrett. <laughs> Just put it somewhere. Yeah. It's not going to matter. 
I mean, it the biggest forest is on the winter map. So, like, you know, an elder treetop would potentially be the oldest forest, yeah. Exist there. But awesome. no, I think that's the end of our root news for the tournament. We're so excited. I hope you guys are excited. If you haven't caught that announcement yet, it is up on YouTube Live right now. Go check it out, Garrick Samples Games. Yep, join the Patreon. Get in on this. You're not going to want to miss it. Last piece of Root news is the community game of Root oh, is yeah. about to begin over in our Discord. Uh, this is is such a, a fun community project that I'm I'm pretty stoked about. Uh, it actually has its own separate Discord now, just to kind of keep things uh, clear and consistent. But members of the Woodland War Machine community are banding together into four teams uh, to play a public <laughs> kind of like ensemble massive team-based game of root online it reminds me of like you know how you could play a role-playing game like via text in a forum and like people would like meet up or like leave a post on a thread and like do a whole role-playing game like that Mm -hmm. it's kind of an old thing at this play by post play by post yeah so it's gonna be like a play by post version of a game of root uh so if you're interested in in uh getting in on the action uh, go ahead and check out PJ Darker's post in our Discord. I can put a link to his Discord server in the description. Thank you. And that's it for Root News. All right. So just a recap of what we did last episode. We talked about the Brigand. We talked about Rabbit Scouts, Bluebird Nobles, and Feline Physicians. All the demoted sides. But... Uh, some of our keen-eared listeners did find some things that we may have not been very clear or maybe were absolutely wrong about when it came to feline physicians. Uh, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <It> was <laughs> I think Nitro Rev and a few others had pointed out that we might have misstated exactly how it works for a few of these sweet combinations. The Warlord is one of them is that uh, I'm not sure if we said it in our last episode, but the Warlord can only be played, cannot be placed outside of anoint. So you can't really use the Warlord via the feline physicians. And I'm not sure we said that, but if we did, that's not true. Right. Uh, Additionally, uh, if the war, if the Lord of the Hundreds is in the game and the Brigand is in the game, there's not a double amount of items underneath the ruins, which I do think we did say there was. That's not true because uh, the Warlord only populates them if the Vagabond isn't in the game. And though the Vagabond isn't in the game, the the hireling for them is. And so that setup still occurs. Therefore, there wouldn't be a duplication. It's as if it's the Vagabond during setup. And then in this last one, uh, I thought we actually got this right. But um, if we didn't, no sweat, the when using the favor cards, uh, as each grouping in a clearing is removed, then one instance of feline physicians can get that whole grouping from a clearing of warriors and repopulate them back to another area where you have pieces. You can't do it for all the clearings at once because they're, they uh, occur one clearing at a time. But now I'm wondering... Can I spend multiple cards to save multiple clearings? Yes, it's one I card. So. I believe so. I think it's one per like group. Got it. As if they were all each separate individual group. Yeah, I think there's probably some language about instance of removal that mm-hmm. anyone who's a Magic the Gathering survivor will uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. have some like sympathetic tremors about. <laughs> so thank you to Nitro Rev and everybody else who commented on that for catching us on the details. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, very, very grateful for that. Uh, all the hirelings are adding all the new combinations. We're trying to catch as many as we can, and we appreciate our 
uh, eagle-eared listeners. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like looking after us. They're not known for their ears. <laughs> yeah, oh. those famous eagle ears. <laughs> you could, we talk about rabbits every time we those talk about steely-eared <laughs> eagles and those owls known for their their wits. <laughs> The bears, known for their cooking. <laughs> All right, let's get into Group A, Part 2. The promoted side. The promoted side. All right, the first one we have to talk about here is the Forest Patrol. Jake? During setup, place a patrol warrior in each clearing. There are 12. And then glo- Thank you. And then globally, whenever any patrol warriors are removed... Place one of them on this card, not in the supply. This card, of course, mm-hmm. being the Forest Patrol card. And then, once in daylight, you may move and then you may battle. Or place all patrol warriors from here into a clearing with any patrol warriors. Yeah, that's cool. It doesn't quite feel like as good as feline physicians, if I'm going to be real. Yes, you can get a move and a battle, but the cats are very spread out, especially at the start of the game, right? That's true. Yeah. It's it's chip damage, right? You can cause yeah. some chip damage. You can frustrate your opponents a little bit. You can take out a sympathy token. You can you can do a lot of like small operations. It is a free move and then may battle that you get to direct on your turn. And any casualties just pop back to the force patrol card and you don't lose anything. You just kind of get to you know chip away at your opponent. I love Forest Patrol for its ability to soften up a clearing that you're going to go and attack in the same turn maybe right it, it's a, a good way to you know just like get some heat on a target i think that's really fun um the ability to place all patrol warriors from here into a clearing with any patrol warriors i'm just like i would hate to waste a whole hireling turn like action doing that but sometimes that's what you got to do. See, I'm, the thing that scares me about them is that, like, you're going to lose control of them at some point, right? Yep. So yeah. <laughs> the thing about feline physicians is it's all your warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These guys are like the um, the eerie demoted or the eerie promoted version, right? The uh, the, the Lice Dynasty, which we're going to talk about next, but they're just a bunch of bullies that are going to be running around. I think maybe that action that you're talking about, Kyle, where you can place them all from here into a clearing with any patrol warriors is to... Not let someone put them in your area. It's like deploy them across the map from you when you're about to lose control of them. That's a great point. And I'm also going to say that it might be a good kind of like the first turn that you control them. Uh, You might be able to like deploy a cat ball Mm -hmm. somewhere. And then on your subsequent turn with control of the forest patrol, you can like send that cat ball into a clear and try to swing for some major damage. And and again, yeah, placing that in an area far away from the clearings that matter to you. It feels like this hireling gets stronger as the game goes on. Yeah. It becomes a Katamari Damacy of cats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Marquise de Katamari Damacy. Um, Yeah. It's a good root, root pretty question. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, like, it doesn't do a lot at the beginning, especially that place action, because it might be one or two. And it's it's something to pay attention to here is it says whenever any patrol warriors are removed, place one of them on this card. Right. Meaning that if you destroy multiple in a single instance, that they will die forever. 
Yeah, you only save one cat at a time. Right. Like, it's possible to board wipe these hirelings, I suppose. Well, all but the last one, I guess. Yeah, right. You'll always get one back. <laughs> you, could, oh, you could shrink the entire Forest Patrol down to just one lonesome cat, which is so sad. I kind of imagine the Forest Patrol is like the, like a Boy Scout troop. <laughs> like, we're the Forest Patrol. <laughs> Just wait until my friends get here. We'll help you cross this path. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so who is this good for? Which factions are going to benefit the most from this? I, I'm sorry, I have a quick rules question on this. It's you may move and battle. You may battle. But it's like you only control your faction pieces, right? This is for the Forest Patrol. But why is Last Dynasty phrased so differently? It's if they rule a clearing, they move, they battle. Is, is this option that you may do it for yourself as well? Because Last Dynasty is phrased as if they are doing these things. Forest Patrol is just phrased as you do these things. I don't see what where you interact with Forest Patrol itself, besides p- placing them. I believe the move in the battle is controlling the Forest Patrol. Okay. But I just me... don't understand why the language is so disparate. I do agree. That wording is very confusing. But yeah, I'm with Sam on this. I think that does specifically... I don't believe that it because augmenting your turn with an additional move and battle action to me feels like a demoted side of a hireling Mm -hmm. whereas because this forest patrol like has warriors and stuff it feels like that would be in reference to controlling specifically them it's just a confusing wording for uh, it's supposed to refer to the forest patrol is that you may move the forest patrol and then you may battle with them right Uh uh-huh 16.4.3 subsect four a hireling's move or battle actions can only move or battle with the hireling's pieces and cannot include the controller's pieces. Hirelings cannot take actions in other ways, such as from their controller's move actions, false orders, blah, 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 blah. Great. Got it. That's, I mean, they so, yeah. wrote that rule to make this make sense, it feels like. It feels like it could have been clearer. What was this? What's the ruling number? 16.4.3 article 4 <laughs> and once again you're listening to woodland war machine uh this is uh, <laughs> hirelings part a subsection one here we go subsection <laughs> if you two, just sorry. woke up <laughs> we're still I, on this first hireling here's here's the challenge uh this week's challenge is you have to get to this part of the podcast on your third listen of this episode <laughs> You know, I think we just love subsections, if I'm going to be do. real. As a community, I... I think we all love subsections. I do. I think they're hilarious. Uh, all right. So, who Who's is good for? the Forest Patrol good for? Here's my pitch about this. Because on your turn, hirelings do count for rule for your faction, I think that this hireling is especially good for factions that care about having rule in places or about having presence in different clearings. So, for example... Um, the duchy is super happy to have presence in lots and lots of different clearings because they can use their hand maximally efficiently. They can't use forest patrol pieces to sway, though. Because uh, it on sway, it's duchy pieces. Damn. Yep. All right, well, that was my whole pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good for factions that care about stuff like that. I Okay. <laughs> Who's good for this, then? I don't, does anyone matter? <laughs> I think this is one of the things that's like, Kind of not great for a lot of people, but it's okay for lizards. <laughs> it, to move in battle 
It's just fun. They never get to do it, and they get to do it with other pieces that don't matter. Yeah. And I guess if you if you convert a, an opponent's warrior, and there's also a forest patrol warrior in that clearing, it just makes it it's a little faster to gain rule if you need to build yeah. a garden there or something. For the lizards, I guess especially, it's like, if there's a sympathy token on your main garden yep, clearing, that's what I'm or thinking. a mob token or something, like, this is just so handy. There's so many times where the lizards are just so fragile because they have no access to battle actions, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, assuming the outcast isn't there or you don't have any acolytes or whatever it is. So I do think that just like, oh, just move in battle. And because they start out everywhere, most likely you are going to be able to get to what you need to to hit that. Again, yeah, Kyle, you identified it perfectly. The sympathy tokens, the mob tokens, or a bomb. Uh, is it true with sympathy tokens that you still, you still have to trigger outrage? Yes, it does trigger outrage, but the controller is not the one paying the card. Instead, the hireling faction is the one triggering the outrage. Nope. That's (laughs) not true. From 16.4.3 article seven, quote, weird stuff. Uh If you move a hireling with a fairy, you do draw a card. If you move hireling warriors into a clearing with an alliance sympathy token or remove alliance sympathy by using a hireling, this does trigger outrage. Parentheses, these effects refer to a player moving or player removing. Yeah, that's why you don't play test, Kyle, because they changed it. Ah, done. (laughs) It's funny because I like have hirelings. Like I got the Kickstarter with like all the hireling expansions. Yeah. I just haven't played with them as much <laughs> as I really have wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I, ugh, stuff is tripping me up today. I know yeah. it's fair. It's this. This is a lot of new ruling too. Like yeah, it's called weird stuff, Kyle. Like you're forgiven. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's sixteen point four point three subsect seven weird stuff. You're forgiven. <laughs> I only got through, I only read the rules three times, so. (laughs) Are you even a fan? Um, All right. Another faction that this could be good for is like birds, right? Especially if you're worried about where you're going to build. We've got extra warriors that can contribute to rule. We've got an extra battle that could soften up the thing that I need to battle and remove to build there. Um, It clears the path for the decree. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being able to deploy a big ball of cat somewhere is always a good thing to do to our opponents. Absolutely. And given the timing as well, once in daylight, you could technically do it before you take the move step of your decree. So you could kind of mess with the timing to to set things up for you in an optimal way. You can't battle your own pieces, right? You cannot battle your own pieces because they're not enemy pieces. Because that could get you out of one of those recruit turmoil shenanigans what are your orders lord burn my house down (laughs) kill carl (laughs) and then uh badgers too right uh they their rule margins are very thin so having those cats in in places or even if you get them late in the game and can put that big cat ball on a clearing that you need to recover or delve in that could be huge I can see this being great for Badgers kind of early in the game because mm-hmm. this hireling faction is contributing to rule during uh, daylight, during the, the time when they would be recovering relics. Mm-hmm. A lone cat warrior with no other presence going on, just in a clearing, m- would be enough to give you an extra kind of clearing of rule of whatever suit. And if that happened to match uh, where the clearing you're recovering in, it just it makes those margins a lot wider. 
especially early in the game, which for Badgers, it's great to kind of get the ball rolling and get out of that first area as quickly as possible. This can really, really help you get off the ground. Well, who does this help counter? The Badgers. The Badgers, right? Because <laughs> Definitely the Badgers. All the reasons it's good for them are the exact reasons it's bad if they don't have it. Um, oh, yeah. 100%. It contributes to rule in all the wrong clearings for them, right? <laughs> it just comes in and wallops them for free. Like, that's what they don't want is anyone walloping them for free. I mean, they get to soak the hit, and you, you'd imagine these early battles are going to be pretty weak from the Cats. Uh, from the cat hirelings here, but if they soak the hit, yeah, I mean, you're right, you're right. Not a guarantee that they've got the relic. You're right. That's a real timing thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It just it gums up the works pretty bad. It just makes it even more tedious to, um, you know, get your warriors around. Instead of one, you need two badgers. Uh, yeah, it's just it's annoying, and the, the chip damage is. It's not a game breaking ability um, for the forest patrol to attack the badgers, but. To me, it's just like all of those little things would add up over time. You know who it really sucks for is the rats, because especially at the startup, like if you see that the forest patrol is in the game and you can draft Lord of the Hundreds, you shouldn't draft him because they're in every clearing. (laughs) They're automatically stopping oppression. And like (laughs) the the comical thing for the forest patrol holder to do is just be like, they're just going to all stay where they are. I'm not moving or battling. (laughs) It's just continually stopping oppression. Yeah, and then every single cat that you bop is just going to accrue on a card <laughs> mm-hmm. that you're probably not even going to get because you're Lord of the Hundreds and you score so slow. Mm-hmm. Someone else is going to get to it, and then they're just going to send all of those cats back at you. Right? <laughs> they're, they're, you know where they're going to put them? It's your stronghold that you left only two dudes at because yeah. you're off rampaging three clearings away. I could even see a particularly spiteful move where you place the ball of cats in a clearing and then you move them, but you still leave a cat behind oh. <laughs> further on the move. Like you do Lord of the Hundreds, like against Lord of the Hundreds. Oh, so brutal. Yeah. All the promoted hirelings really hurt the... I can't believe they're from the same expansion, honestly. I can't believe they were like made together. Like, oh, this faction that really cares about ruling all these empty clearings and then... Just a hireling, just a neutral power that just clogs up the entire board. It's great. It's so great. <laughs> um, I also think that this helps to counter uh, the Woodland Alliance for reasons that we mentioned. It's a free battle in basically every clearing. All that sympathy starts undefended. You can very easily, from the start of the game, control where the sympathy is allowed to remain. And it's nice, too. From your acquisition of them, right? When you From your acquisition of them, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's nice, too, I was going to say, because, you know, that first turn, the alliance spread is usually a little bit weak. It's like two to three clearings. But that second turn, it can be a little more, uh, and they're hoping to revolt by turn two or three. Good thing for the controller of this hireling, you're probably going to gain control of it on turn two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means that your ability to suppress them will kick in and it just makes life hard for the Alliance. I mean, if, if force patrol is drafted, is Alliance off the table? I wouldn't say it's like off the table, but you know, that late game when the cats have accumulated on the card that they could just throw all those cats on your base. You know? Yeah. If they can get some, if they can get a forest patrol warrior to the clearing with your base and it, lives for a turn they could just recruit everybody right i guess a, to that a cat has to be there you're right you're right what sucks yeah. about the alliance is that 
you know, at setup, they're everywhere. So as soon as they're acquired, they can hit any of the sympathy. Like, even if that player wasn't mm-hmm. near them, right? Exactly, yeah. So, which which gives it, you know, a, a great suppressive kind of ability. And the Alliance, the Alliance are notoriously, like, slow to start. So, they're not going to get any of these hirelings. They're going to get them gifted back to them. Mm-hmm. So, there is that. There is, like, they can really hope for a strong second place of acquiring them once the first player gets them, right? I guess so. It's just, it's... It might be too late at that point if you don't have a base down. Right. Um, I, it, from, with a concerted effort from the table, I think it's possible to fully lock an Alliance player like just out of the game with this faction. I mean, it's only one battle. The Alliance it is, is but still it benefiting is a... from a card, and it's harder to create martial law with the restrictions on this hireling, right? That is true. That is true. You're getting just given two the... cards if you're policing them. And, like, do you have martial law we always said that if you move into a clearing and trigger outrage then delete a sympathy triggering outrage if you don't set up martial law you've actually helped the woodland alliance player you can use the place all patrol warriors from here into a clearing to make martial law happen because that's place not move right 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 but so you do have that like option. we said that's going to take time to happen and you have to do that instead of moving and battling. You have to also consider the alliance to be a real problem at this stage in the game, which is like they're usually at four points when you acquire <laughs> right. this. That's true. It, but the calculus could be something like let's knock one player out of the game and then just focus on the, the yeah. three of us left. Especially the one we yeah. all hate. Yeah, and well, Sam, yeah, the Woodland I, Alliance is the one because you're like, they're not going to help police the table. <laughs> so if you're going to delete helpful. somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or you could you maybe use this faction to make a deal with them. Say, hey, go spread over there by the Badgers or the Duchy, and I'll leave your stuff alone. Yeah. That's, there you go. That's positive thinking, I think. Because I think it's easy to, like, delete somebody, but using them, oh, love that much more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they're such a pain in the neck that, you, you're right. The best part about Root is, like, as soon as you're like, should we eliminate a player? You're like, No. That player needs to get in the way of my uh, my other competitors. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Um, so should we rush to get this hireling? If it's a, if you're a faction that like really benefits from it, then sure. But I think overall, this tends to gain power in kind of the mid game to late game, especially if you can concentrate the cats. Yeah, like if you can concentrate those forest patrol warriors in a clearing and then use that that daylight action to go and like you know beat up your opponents that to me makes this a more attractive um hireling faction but at the start of the game when it's just a bunch of solo cats lurking about unless there's a very real like threat around that you can deal with using them or if it really really helps your faction for the lizards and you're stuck somewhere uh, i just don't really feel like this is the promoted hireling to rush for they are battleable before they're acquired. Right. right. So they also can yeah. save the Eerie from turmoiling, right? That Yeah, that's very true. They make their decree with like a battle kind of unturmoilable. Unturmoilable. <laughs> unturmoilable. Yeah, and God of War is a viable opening for Eerie. I don't know. Kind of permanently. With I mean, the question is, do we... The question is, do we rush them? I don't know. I feel like situationally kind of more less about your factions, more about your opponent's factions, because their acquisition can really throw a, 
a wrench in the works of your opponents because they are everywhere. They set up in every clearing. That means you have an option in every clearing, which, you know, if, if they, if the back line is open, that might be your shot. I guess they're, they're obviously there. So all players know it. Right. And it, it, we're saying how much it helps the birds, but it actually only helps the birds if the birds don't have them. Well, they, they don't have them. them. No one has them in the beginning is what I'm saying. So. Right, right. And that benefits the birds. If the birds get rush to get them, then now their yeah. decree is harder. Maybe. Um, I guess it's easier to move. And then they get and a, stuff, yeah, they also yeah. get like a whole patrol of, yeah, they, they'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. They'll figure, they'll be fine. This to me is a target of an opportunistic player who ends up with this faction because everyone's kind of forgotten uh, that it's a powerful faction. And then uses this hireling to alter the board state in a surprising way on their turn. To me, this is almost like a come from behind hireling. Yeah. <laughs> like once it kind of like filters down to you after someone else has like picked it up. Yeah. Uh, then you get to use it for a few turns, build up your forces and go and punch somebody. Yeah. This is a real hard one to pass off. Yeah. Especially if rats or birds are in the game and those uh, cats are really starting to accumulate on the card. Right. It's, it's a real tough thing for the leader to pass off to another player. Yeah. Hilariously, one thing we did forget to mention is it's also possible to board wipe the forest patrol. If you just battle away all the cats and nobody uses the place patrol warriors option. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> but then you'll have the whole patrol sitting on the card and like that's kind of cute but also kind of sad. Yeah, it's a bomb waiting to happen. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> All right, so the only card interaction I could think of here is Royal Claim. Mhm. The card where you get a point for every clearing you roll, which could be pretty sweet. Um but probably by the time you have the crafters necessary because it costs four um those cats really won't be ruling too many clearings maybe you get an extra point or two off of it but it's something oh yeah uh notably this these warriors would would never go to coffin makers uh because instead they return to the card right unless wait do hirelings go to coffin makers Usually, hirelings have supplies, I think, but it yeah. says when they would go to the supply, they are right. instead so they do not go into the supply. But if you kill two, only right. one of them one goes, goes to, to the card, and then the other would go to the coffins, I guess. Right, wow, convoluted. Well, there's 16.5.9 subsection infinity about the void <laughs> <laughs> where all forest patrol bonus deaths just disappear into a pit of black. I think I've seen that on Tabletop Simulator, actually. <laughs> uh, and then, obviously, this has a big... Uh, it doesn't have a big <laughs> impact. I'm not going to oversell it here. You could use this in a dominance play. Oh, yeah. Special teams, baby. Can you teams, imagine? you like, okay, I got the big cat ball on the card, and then you just stick it in a rabbit clearing, and then you go, I'm going rabbit <laughs> dominance. You know what I mean? <laughs> that could be pretty fun. My hero. Uh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Would it work? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it takes you from a 5% chance to a 7% chance. I like it. I like those odds. Uh, and we're giving the Forest Patrol a good old woodland war machine meow for its overall score. Okay. All right. That's not great. It's also not terrible. It's meow. All right. We got a heavy hitter coming up next. We've got 
Last Dynasty. Jake? <laughs> Setup. Place all five Dynasty Warriors in a clearing on the map edge. Then, once in daylight, if no Dynasty Warriors are on the map, place all five Dynasty Warriors in any edge clearing and battle there. Or, mm-hmm. if they rule their clearing, move all of their warriors and then battle with them, if able. Or, if they do not rule their clearing, battle there twice. It's a wrecking ball. Yeah, everyone just, like, take one step back. All right, we don't want to be too close to this hireling, because they are just going to hit you, sometimes twice, if they're close to you. It's so... And the worst part is they just reset. You know, just when you've defeated them, now they're at their height of their power all over again, where someone places them on the map edge in a clearing where they don't rule, because it's like there's some lizard gardens or a bunch of moles or something, and then they, you get two battles that aren't even your turn with, with five warriors. It's Yeah. I oh. used to call this hireling a cannonball, because like wherever it gets placed, it just sort of like goes around like wrecking stuff but truly it's more of a pinball because it keeps resetting once all the warriors are gone so it's like you get a free play you just get to send that pinball right back into the machine to like bounce around and destroy stuff this is such a strong faction it bruises your opponents a lot and just its existence on the map a threat it's a threat by itself just by existing (laughs) to be clear the picture isn't just of a tough looking bird it's a bird who's holding a studded mace which is a club which they intentionally put studs in to make the hits harder (laughs) and like pierce parts of your skull okay (laughs) these guys are bullies yeah they're big bullies and the meeples are so grabbable oh yeah with the weird long beak yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. It's sort of like halfway between a Corvid warrior and an Eerie warrior. Mm-hmm. Almost crane-like. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so who is who is the last dynasty good for? Which factions? Uh, well, we did mention before that the lizards do enjoy having access to battle actions, and this is just getting access to a bunch of amazing battle actions, so this is great for the lizards. Here's my thing, though. Unlike Forest Patrol, where you're like, oh, there's a sympathy token in my clearing. Let me just bring in my hirelings to come battle it away. I don't know. It would really depend on how many turns I had the last dynasty if I would send them into my own clearing to clean house. Because That is true. Uh, I don't know if you all remember, but gardens mean that the lizards always rule the clearing. So if those birds are ever in a clearing with a garden, they're always going to battle twice. Ooh, that's a good catch. That's terrifying. Yes. So I like it because you get to have that aggressive side of your faction where you're you're hitting your opponents. You can actually <laughs> police somebody, and then you can still focus on your own lizard game going on. But I wouldn't use them the same way I would use the Forest Patrol. Agreed. Yeah, Forest Patrol can be used defensively by the Lizards to help clean mm-hmm. house. But the Last Dynasty, what I would do if I were the Lizards is I would use the Last Dynasty to slow down the game as much as possible yes. so yeah. that I had a chance to catch up. And the way to slow down the game is, of course, to wreck critical infrastructure for your opponents. Um, you know, just 
try and like rule clearings with the last dynasty <laughs> to make it really annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, go somewhere where you deliberately don't rule, so that you can just bash face multiple times in the same turn. It's this this hireling rules. <laughs> yeah. Also great for like the duchy. Oh, so good for the duchy. Put it on that tunnel clearing because they're probably not going to end up ruling it. And then you get to battle twice. Mm. So good. <laughs> and uh, Woodland Alliance, what's the thinking here? Uh, for Woodland Alliance, I was kind of imagining this These is a are just great factions way. that don't battle. So this gives them an access to a devastating battle. That is true. That's definitely helpful. Specifically for the Alliance, though, I was imagining that this would be a great hireling for taking out martial law. Ooh. So that, yes, you spread sympathy in Birdsong before you would do anything with the Last Dynasty strictly, but what you could do is, if there's like a cordon of martial law set up, there's kind of like an iron curtain around your base or in a crucial clearing, you can start to chip away at that using the Last Dynasty. And it it could also be helpful for moving your warriors out of uh, your camped base. It could be useful for moving your warriors through a choke point. Um, I can see some ways that the Last Dynasty could really, really give the Woodland Alliance a little bit of a boost. And in terms of who this counters, obviously rats, because we're putting more meeples on the board. Um, and meeples that can wreck house a little bit more. I oh. thought of another way this could help the Woodland Alliance. Okay. And that's this this faction is forced to move a lot. Oh. Uh, and so you could just actually just strategically place sympathy like around the last dynasty and mm. force them to kind of trip the outrage or trigger that outrage. Or force them to go in a direction that's like, you know, not ideal for that player. Right. If you have a sympathy token and all the clearings around them, then they're going to have to at least give you one card. And then they might choose to battle your sympathy or might have to if you're if that's the only thing in the clearing. And that's another card. Yeah, that's a great point, Kyle. Yeah. Um, so who does this counter? Rats, for the same reasons that we listed, right? More meeples on the board equals less oppression. Uh, especially these meeples that can uh, take out a stronghold or two if necessary. Yeah, and any straggling rats, too, that are just holding down a press with just, like, one rat camping on an empty clearing. Absolutely. This help counters moles. I mean, it's so helpful. Like, moles with their big turtle, they got their buildings down, they put, like, six or eight warriors there, and you're like, great, I don't want to rule that clearing. I want to battle there twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, really helps for that. And, again, the thing about this faction is, like, as soon as you're, like, Okay, great. I killed them all. Then they're just going to pop up with five more. (laughs) And if you didn't kill them all, they're going to kill themselves by battling you multiple times. Because the less of them there are, the more battles they do to get rid of themselves. It's awesome. (laughs) The best scenario, if you're staring down the barrel of the last dynasty being controlled by another player, is that they just got one. And you're like, all right, so this turn I'm going to take one hit, and I've got a whole turn to prepare (laughs) for the next one. But... Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, who else does this help counter? Otters. Anyone who's got that big strike force ready to happen. Anyone we need to do the big heavy check on, right? Otters, Vagabond. It's perfect for Vagabond because you're not losing anything. Right. And you're not losing any actions in battling either. This is just a freebie. Go for it. Uh, of course, the Vagabond will never rule a clearing, so you'll never get that sweet two battle. 
well, actually, if somebody else rules the clearing, somebody, I yeah, suppose yeah, yeah. you could mm-hmm. choose to battle the Vagabond twice. Uh, so that's something maybe to look out for. And then we talked about how this is really devastating for lizards because of the gardens ruling the clearing. Oof, yeah. So just another that's example a- of Vagabond getting a little scot-free, lizards getting the, the bad end of the stick. Uh, <laughs> and it's studded, this end of the stick. All right, so should we rush? Should we throw off our our tempo, our like usual engine building we're doing to get this hireling? I say yes. Yeah, I think this hireling is good enough that grabbing it early can, uh, the, you know, whatever tempo you trade in order to grab this hireling, you might win back in just your ability to like hit people because you know you would trade a little bit of initiative. Probably to like build an extra building that you would otherwise be recruiting or something. Uh, you might overwork or whatever. Y- yeah, you might go out of your way to score a couple of extra points and put yourself in a slightly less defensible type of position. But your access to these heavy hitters means that your opponents can't um, counter you by being greedy, if that makes sense. Everyone's being greedy. Then the first one to get last dynasty is going to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if everyone's being, if you're being greedy and grabbing this first, but everyone else is being solid and then going to try and come after you, this is a great counterbalance to that, which you can either use as a threat or as an actual cudgel. It also like, it doesn't matter where it's on, where it's at in the map. You want to get it first because if it's near you, you don't want someone else to get it. And if it's near someone else, you want to get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, you you want to rush for this for sure. Yeah. Largely just because it's just so dangerous in anyone else's hands but you. Yeah. If you are fourth player and you get to set up a hireling of your choice during setup, do you pick this one to set up first and place it like somewhere far away? If you're fourth player, you always score last relative to everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that you would have a hard time rushing, probably. I mean, I mean, some factions obviously oh, score yeah. quicker than others, but yes, that you you have the statistically less likely chance just based on that information alone, don't you? So right. yeah, you place it, I guess, away. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think you always I, place it away. Honestly, you never really mm-hmm. want it near you in case things don't go right, and suddenly someone has it in your home territory. Yeah. Yeah, and best case scenario for your opponents is they do get it early. But then it's still in their neighborhood, and they have to spend right. time getting it out to somewhere useful. Right. Yeah. This 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 hireling is amazing. <laughs> no bones about it. Rush for this, you guys. <laughs> we don't have any card interactions listed here. I assume that's just because moving and battling we can't really affect with certain card interactions. I f- I feel like this one's tough for card interactions. It's all them, and we don't affect I- them. Right. Dominance. Rabbit dominance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anything with a bunch of anything adding warriors that you contribute to rule is always going to affect dominance. So we can always contribute that. Like the hirelings technically bumped our percentage a little. Yeah, yeah. As Kyle Kyle said, said, five to seven. seven. Yeah, Yeah, I know, but you know that's a forty percent increase. Forty. Yeah. Yes. Nice, nice, quick math. All right. Any special teams here? Kyle, you wrote something about ambushing? Um, Can you ambush hirelings? I don't even know yeah, anymore. You can ambush hirelings. They cannot counter ambush. From 16.4.2 standard stuff, of course you can ambush. You can I ambush 
I was like really expecting to say <laughs> standard stuff. Yeah. So ambushing the last dynasty is obviously good because it prevents you from taking damage if they're attacking you. Um, but it also might be terrible because you could reset them. <laughs> And then they can spawn with everybody right next to you, and you no longer have an ambush. <laughs> so I can I can see this hireling faction being very hard to make strategic decisions about this if they're coming after this you. This is like a tempo machine you have to figure out a little bit, right? Because they're going to hit on a certain rhythm with different power. Well, and then maybe if it's the controller's last turn with the hireling, uh, with the last dynasty, then it, maybe that's a good time to knock them out. Mm. Uh, because it's going to change hands, and you might be able to persuade the person uh, whose hands it goes into to, uh, you know, attack the leader and not you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I thought you were going to try to convince them to give, like, have them handed over to you. And I was like, not when you ambush them. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. Unless it's just like one bird left over, and then they're like, fine, here, you're going to eat a whole turn just yeah. killing this bird. And there there maybe is a discussion here then. If you are the points leader and this faction's coming after you, what's the optimal play? Because if you just kill them all, they're going to respawn in your territory. Yeah. I think the, the thing is to just not pay, not be on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> Hide in the middle. <laughs> the most hideable spot in the middle oh, yeah. of the map. Like, what do oh, you Don't be on the edge. <laughs> Oh, that's that's much worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. What you they can are do. they are a chaotic force. Like it, it just, is very it, chaotic. The, yeah. I guess we also need to calculate how often are hirelings changing hands, right? So we know what the pip options are for the right. leaders, but then when we give it to the person who's not in the lead, they get to roll a lot more pips. So it's really you have to do a lot of calculus with all of these factions of the tempo of control. Assuming it's not the leader, it's between two and five, right? Two and four. Four? Two and four. Well, four is half a game. 50% of all rolls, no matter if you are the leader or not the leader, is going to be two. Got it. Half the time, you will have it for two turns. So, uh, obviously, uh, with the leader... Uh, having it two turns is the maximum, and when you're not, having it two turns is the minimum. Uh, but I, it's more likely than any other outcome is two. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Jake, you're the odds person. Well, you said 50%, right? Yeah. Well, because there's other outcomes, there's no way another number is higher than that or even equal. So, yes. That's it's just the- math. That's just Jake quick math. <laughs> I thought Jake. I thought you were gonna say you said fifty percent, right? It's fifty percent. <laughs> That's roughly half the time, Sam. <laughs> interesting, interesting analysis. Um, all right. So overall, I think we're gonna give the last dynasty nine thumbs up. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Which is a lot it's of like thumbs. Everybody at a four-player root table plus just an onlooker. <laughs> a one-armed onlooker. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nine thumbs way, way up. The other hand. Um, Rush for him. Cool. Rush for him. All right. Uh, The third hireling we've got in this second part of this group is the Spring Uprising. (laughs) 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 
Set up, roll the uprising die twice and place an uprising warrior in matching clearings. To be clear, the uprising die is just like the mob die, right? With two uh, of each suit or three of each suit. No, four of each suit on a 12-sided die. Or two it of each suit on a six-sided six die. die. <laughs> there are two of each suit. Which is roughly half. <laughs> That's not right. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. 100% of the time, you will get a suit. <laughs> yes, and it will be Fox. <laughs> All right, so this one has an action we haven't quite seen uh, in one of these before yet, which is when they are acquired, or when they are, quote, hired, actually, I believe Mm -hmm. is the wording. When hired. If no uprising warriors are on the map, roll the uprising die and place an uprising warrior in a matching clearing. Then, globally, to battle the uprising, the attacker must discard a card matching the battle clearing. Now, that's very clear of like they can't battle then discard via outrage is like in order to even battle them they must discard matching that clearing yeah. right you got to pay to attack great additionally at the start of bird song first you must roll the uprising die then you must either remove an uprising warrior and place all enemy pieces from a matching clearing or you must place an uprising warrior in a matching clearing whoa <laughs> okay it's a bomb. Yeah. It's strapped to that guy. <laughs> so, like, you know how with the Within Alliance, you get, like, a friendly little fist token in a clearing, and that can blow everything up? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, imagine that in order to attack that sympathy token, you had to spend a card first before you do anything. And then also imagine that instead of being a defenseless token, it's a warrior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then... Consider this, okay? You roll the uprising die twice and place a warrior in a matching clearing. And then every turn, they're going to roll the uprising die. So at minimum, there's already going to be one on the board. And then you can, like, if there are none, okay? When you acquire this hireling, you will roll the uprising die. Yeah. And then you will place that in any matching clearing you want. Then in a bird song, oh, okay, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. Because <laughs> it doesn't happen right. right there would after. be a full round in between. There'd be a full. There'd round. be a full round. Of, I see what you're saying, Sam. No, no, you would you yeah, would yeah. do the uh, place a warrior, the auto placement of a warrior from this hireling when you hire them, which would be like at the very end of your previous turn of your turn, yeah, or when yeah, the right. thing is transferred. Um, but he's just there. He's waiting. But actually, I think there is a way that this could work out. For example, if you transfer this faction to the player directly after your turn. Oh, God. There would be no gap at all. And then they could just immediately roll the uh, uprising die and just blow something up. That's that's Yeah. It. Yep. It's a turn order thing, I guess, is, is what it comes down to. So, Sam, mm-hmm. you are right, depending on the circumstance. Uh, okay, so Spring Uprising, it's it's friendly, it's a bomb. <laughs> it blows stuff up. <laughs> Two sentences not said next to each other. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, I do like the art on this one, which is like a sort of snooty rabbit that's like holding <laughs> yeah. an axe and a pouch of gold, I think. Who also is I think a... it's gunpowder. Uh, yeah. Maybe it is gunpowder. Yeah, that would make <laughs> sense, actually. But it's like... He's just, like, sort of, like, too good for it all. Like, it's so funny and cute. It's so funny and cute. Uh, who's 
going to benefit the most from this hireling? It's hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I mean, like, people who uh, can't have their game wrecked by having a clearing broken, blown up. Uh, the Vagabond, right? The Vagabond's going to take three damage. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Like, that is much better than, like, having all your sawmills destroyed, having your gardens removed, having your otter ball destroyed. So the who this is good for question to you is, like, who does this hurt least? Well, just because, uh, you know, <laughs> you're you're bombing somebody else. Like, I don't know who that benefits. I guess, like, the cats? Here's what I think. Or... Here's what I think it benefits. I think it benefits factions that are more mobile. Mm-hmm. The Vagabond could just not end their turn in the same clearing as a Spring Uprising warrior. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. the Otters can just move away to a different river clearing. Right. Um, I think this really does benefit factions who can work around it. Because it's actually kind of better to have the landmines around. Force your opponents right. to spend cards. If you're the Otters especially, it's like they're spending cards to battle these things. Then they need cards, and you're <laughs> yeah. there to helpfully supply them with that. I mean, you could you could exist to uh, as the otters. I I would think you could also like place a mercenary warrior in the same clearing to like you know kind of convince maybe the lizards or something to to battle. Like I don't know. Uh, I I think there's benefits for the corvids, the otters, and the vagabond as the most mobile factions that can kind of work mm-hmm. around it. And every other faction that really has like static infrastructure that they care about is going to be sweating <laughs> about this mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. yeah so let's just get right into it those factions that this is going to help counter are moles lizards cats yeah. and rats yeah for sure i mean moles and lizards because they care about cards right and they gotta spend a card to battle this thing and if it's just sitting Ugh. on top of one of your buildings you got no choice you gotta spend that card and battle this thing Right, it's a one in three chance that it's just going to get blown. Yeah, up. I mean, you could risk it, I guess, with some confidence, but do you really want to? And uh, yeah, so the the card tax is most painful for the moles and lizards, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably for the badgers too, if we're being honest. Oh, I just realized this about the rats. The rats got a card in their hand. Right. Yeah. They don't draw a lot of cards. Yeah. And now you have a warrior that cannot be removed unless you pay a card <laughs> in that clearing. It stops oppression dead in its tracks. That is truly horrible. Yeah. It's amazing. That is, that is truly awful. Oh, man. Again, just land. Who does this help counter? I just want everyone to look at all the promoted hirelings here. <laughs> rats are not making out good. In it is funny games. how the rats are like definitely almost hard countered by all the hirelings. <laughs> yeah. Just the presence alone, man. Like, yeah. they are our things in the way now. If if rats are doing too good at your table, play with some hirelings. That's It's easy. It's easy. This game is balanced. <laughs> all right. So should we rush to get it? Maybe. I say <laughs> I say it's probably not worth rushing. Like, it's not worth ruining your strategy or altering your strategy too much just to grab a hold of this faction right away. Because there is no guarantee that you, the person who is rushed to grab this faction, are going to see any benefit from it while you control yeah. this hireling. At best, you are going to choose where to place that first warrior. Yeah. And then if it's somehow miraculously left alone for a full round, you have a one in three chance of it maybe doing something. Well, the more that are out there, 
like once you have one in each of the three clearings, something getting blowed up. Very true. Very true. You know? Yeah, I, I feel like this is similar to the last dynasty where it's like it's just this chaotic presence in the game. Except for this thing's effect is more devastating, but also more luck driven. Yeah. So it's harder to calculate and could be even worse for your game. Uh, it's wild. This, this, I haven't played with this one in a real game yet. I've played with um, Rabbit Scouts, but I haven't played with Spring Uprising yet. And I, I could see it being devastating. Very much. It, an ill-timed, like, Spring Uprising in a clearing could be, could be mm-hmm. game-defining for your faction. Um, so you don't want to be on the wrong end of this. Um, but also I wouldn't go too crazy trying to grab it because it also might do nothing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think you're right. Like rushing for it doesn't guarantee you any actual control over it at all. Yeah. Now, if you have it for four turns. (laughs) Yeah. Something's probably going to happen. Something's going to, I think something has to be blown up. Yeah. Potentially. Because you're out of how many there are. Yeah. There are four. Warriors, they're only three suited clear. Right. If everything is left alone completely, then on that fourth round, something is getting blown up. Right. There's four different guys just holding bags of gunpowder sitting at the corner table, <laughs> and all the other warriors just staring at him. Like, when's he going to do it? He didn't do it yesterday. He hasn't done it today. It's just like this rabbit on the yard. It's like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if just I'm going to do it today. Morning. He's, do we try to leave? We can't. We don't rule anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the card interactions here, uh, coffin makers, you know, when something gets blown up, that could really affect coffin. Right. Makers. And the uprising warrior would go to coffin makers as well. That's before right. It returns to its supply. Yeah. I, I don't know about this one in terms of card interactions. I think the threat is very plain. It's a bomb. You can see it coming. It's expensive to get rid of it. Oh my gosh, if you pay that card and roll 0 0. That's the thing. That's the major difference. It's not undefended. You could roll a 0 0. Oh boy. Yeah, it would be just an insult to injury if this thing had Guerrilla War as well. Oh, I'm so grateful. So grateful it does not. All right, and then for special teams, we got all these extra card discards could really influence the lost souls if lizards are in the game. Mm. Because unlike supporters, it doesn't get like. You know, it doesn't go through this medium area. Right. Like, those cards are going directly. Like, you might be able to use this to influence the Lost Souls in a way that you want to. Yeah, absolutely. If you're really trying to avoid a specific outcast suit because you're worried that they're going to come in and sanctify some of your buildings and rabbit clearings, you could battle the Spring Uprising in a Fox clearing and, you know, kind of tip the scales more in that direction. Um, another interesting interaction is uh, Field Hospitals. Um, this is a little bit interesting because you have to spend the card first before the battle and it has to match mm-hmm. the clearing. So if you place this in a critical oh. cat clearing, then, uh, they have to spend their field hospitals card in order to just battle. And if it doesn't right. go like, well, <laughs> <laughs> if they roll zero, zero, then they've also lost their field hospitals for that clearing. So this this is kind of... I could see this being a tense time for the old cats. Mm-hmm. So in summary, we're going to give the Spring Uprising a three under par. Very cool. Pretty Very good. cool. It, it does make me think, though, that like if you are card poor, this is your worst nightmare. 
I was also thinking about the Eerie Dynasties. Like, you need a card yeah. in order to battle. And if you're dumping stuff into your decree... Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. You just... Even if you have the battle and it's in the right clearing, you might not even be able to. Because you wouldn't have a card That's to horrifying. spend. That's horrifying. That's crazy. Yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah. So then you just, like, end up with all your birds there. You go into turmoil. And then on their turn, they roll the die and then they just blow up all the birds. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> it's a sad birthday party for the uh, the Eerie then. <laughs> yeah, you got to you gotta be careful with these guys for sure. Okay. Oh, so annoying. For the final hireling in group A, we've got the the big one, the exile. Down, Kyle, music. Down, 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 down. Yeah. See, some people thought that was Black Sabbath. Others thought it was Here Comes the Bride. <laughs> there it is. There's, there's, a, there's a, such a long break there. Set up. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Uh, the exile it's a huge bear <clears throat> set up put the exile pawn in f- any forest and the three club items on here then globally anytime on their turn a player with faction pieces adjacent to the exile may place an item in their crafted items box on this card to draw a card and score a point Ooh, wow wow then once per daylight action any number of times that doesn't make any sense this is a once per daylight action. Yeah. Okay. But then so any one time in daylight, you can activate this ability any number in, of times. So you can't split it right, up. Right. This activated ability happens in a single window, but mm-hmm. inside that window, you can do this action any, any number of times. Mm-hmm. I both fully understand and fully understand why people don't understand this game. It's like a, it's like, just imagine it like a subsection of yes. that action. Oh yeah. Again, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I just also, I get it. Okay. <laughs> For those of you who don't get it, I get it. <laughs> Once in daylight, any number of times, you may exhaust one item here to move to an adjacent forest and may exhaust two items here to battle in an adjacent clearing. When done, refresh all items here. In battle, you can roll hits up to the number of items here. For each hit taken, exhaust one item or remove one if you cannot exhaust any. Whoa. This thing is a mamba jamba. <laughs> okay, so we have to take this in parts, okay? Yeah. Because the first global ability here, where if you are adjacent to it, if you're in a clearing that's adjacent to that forest that the exile is in, you can place an item from your crafted items box on the exile card, pumping it up to draw a card and score a point. There is no effect in this game other than this, I believe, that has you draw a card and score a point. Am I wrong? Um, I can't think of any that do both. Yeah. It's usually you draw a card and choose someone to score mm. a point or like, you score a point and everyone draws a card or whatever. Yeah, it's like a this charm offensive time- where you can target yourself. Oh, it's so good. That's incredible. And it's also any time on their turn as well. So, like, for a faction like the Lizards or whoever, like, it's just like you get to do it immediately. Or you can do it as soon as you've crafted that item. You can craft an item and then just immediately give it to the Exile and draw a card. Any time on their turn. Oh, my gosh. Right. It's, It's fantastic. You could be in your crafting phase of your turn. Craft an item. Score a point. Draw a card. Also, you just... 
got some points from that item. Yeah. And then maybe you can craft that card that you just drew. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's a little, you know, edge, Casey, but, like, it could happen. Oh, it's fantastic. If you're the Eerie and you got a bum hand, but you've crafted a bag or something, you can just use this to, like, grab a new card and, like, make your decree actually great instead of just survive. You also don't give the Warlord an option to loot it from you. Yeah, true. Right. And uh, or yeah, the vagabond to aid. Well, the it. vagabond won't be here. Oh, true. Yeah, the vagabond that's would right. not be in the game. That's true. That's correct. Right. Uh, also, the rats can't do this. The faction that needs the extra card right. cannot do this because they don't have a. Oh, that's a really good point. Only goes to the horde. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, gets removed from the game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It goes into the void. <laughs> Subsection infinity. Is that right? Jay? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I keep who... turning pages, but I can't find that subsection. <laughs> <laughs> but it's on every page. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, that first part is very powerful. But then we have something that's close to the last dynasty here that's a lot more flexible than the last dynasty, which is. The ability to exhaust these items. You can exhaust one item to move this thing to an adjacent forest. Or two items to do a battle. Where the maximum number of hits is the amount of items there. Right? Yeah. And it starts with three items. So it's already swinging with three clubs. And it doesn't matter if those items are exhausted or not. Yeah. They all count as hits. Uh, But if everything is exhausted, then they're going to be pitching items. So they, they would get weaker. if Everything is exhausted all the time. But... Right. That's what's kind of nice. Unlike the last dynasties where once you defeat them, they come back at full force, you can defeat the exile. Yes. That makes me feel like he really is good early when those clubs are there. Oh, yeah. Because you're not necessarily going to see those factions, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. But the thing is, these things kind of work together in harmony a little bit. Because when the exile is strong, you don't want to give it items so that it can come and beat you up multiple times in a turn. So then it spends its effort attacking and getting rid of those items. Which, to be honest, it does, it might not even get rid of that many items just because of the, like, attacker's advantage. Right. right. The yeah. way that the, the dice are set up. Um, but, you know, if things aren't going well for the exile and some of those items get, like, knocked loose here and there and they're down to, like, one club or something, then you don't feel so bad about going to grab a point <laughs> and a card. I mean, yeah. do you ever yeah. feel bad about getting card. a point and a card? No. Even if the exile is strong and not under your control? As if as long as I'm not in the lead, I'm feeling great about that decision. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm not the threat at the table, I am pumping this thing up and drawing cards and scoring points. Ooh, here's a fun move for the exile, you guys. Okay. It's the last turn that you control the exile. Mm-hmm. There are three clubs that are refreshed and ready to roll. You st- spend two of those clubs immediately just like attacking somewhere. And as long as you don't, uh, as long as the defender doesn't get any hits, you would still theoretically have one club refreshed and ready to go. Use that last club to just move the exile far away from you. Yep. And your turn uh. pass the hireling <laughs> off. Now they gotta spend their time, whoever ends up controlling it, getting it back into the center or getting it back into a useful spot so that they can come after you. It's just you can do a lot of fun stuff with this. The fact that movement is so cheap uh, yeah. is very helpful. But I think you're right. Once you know that you're not going to hold on to this, you're you're exhausting all the items to move it. Now, granted, they do refresh afterwards. Yeah. But at least you've 
made it a cost to come back towards your territory or, or things you don't Right, and it's kind of win-win because if you spend that last turn just attacking and lose some items, well, great. Well, then there's not as many items left to come back and attack you with. So you're kind of incentivized to, like, spend all your force as much as possible with right. this thing. Attack as much as you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unlike the birds where, like, it's very restrictive in, like, how they battle and if they move and all these things. Like, the exile is like, oh, it's mine now? Great. It's time for pain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you get to unleash this thing. This, this art, I feel like, is pretty famous as well, just because it's yeah. this pupilless bear with just red orange eyes that you you kind of like the positioning of the perspective it's like you're looking up at this gigantic bear and then there's just like three cute little forest critters and you could just see their eyes looking straight up at this thing so scared to, mm-hmm. to be clear we have a lot of menacing looking factions i think this is the only art that shows the victims shivering <laughs> yeah. in terror right. it is absolutely yeah. frightening no one else shows what's about to happen oh it's great. right even the the smug rabbit that has a bomb strapped to its chest is like mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's like snooty but <laughs> this bear is inflicting absolute fear have you read bakunin (laughs) (laughs) yeah no this this bear is out to punch face slash open your vital organs and eat all of your salmon oh my god (laughs) (laughs) all right so who's it good for absolutely river folk (laughs) (laughs) yeah it really is good for river folk they're so crafty so they're gonna get a lot of benefit out of drawing the cards and scoring those points and also they can sell those cards or craft them like oh oh uh yeah and they don't have to risk their own warriors to engage in battling which i think is pretty helpful if you have access to the exile as the river folk you just have additional police power uh policing power and which means that you can spend your funds on economic pursuits Mm-hmm. Um, you can go for dividends play and just do all of your attacking with the exile. You could just plop down a bunch of trade posts and just kind of like chill because you don't need to have a huge economy if you have a, the ability to attack a bunch of times. I, I think that's true. But remember, as the river folk, you do need to pick up some of those cardboard points and you won't score them if you have the bear do all your work. That is true. But you can certainly soften up those clearings with a bear. <laughs> you know, and yeah, it's it's very helpful, and it's like in daylight. And again, the river folk turn is so flexible too that you can really make a bunch of use. You can take this bear, uh, weaken a clearing, then move, and then weaken another clearing, then spend your river folk turn moving and cleaning up those. Clearings, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, that's right. I think you're right, Kyle. Like having this as the military arm of the river folk, so you can spend most of your funds. Scavenging like that engine, yeah, scavenging. Yeah, yeah. it's literally like um, how uh, there's like certain birds that will follow big predators around mm-hmm. and just sort of like feast on what's left of of their their meal. You can do the mm-hmm. same type of thing with the exile if you are the river folk. I think it's awesome. Um, we, uh, we have a lot of factions listed for who it's, it's good literally for. good for everyone. Yeah, anyone who cares about card draw and hurting other players. So, yeah, that's everybody. (laughs) But especially factions like, I'm going to say, like, the cats are probably pretty 
happy mm-hmm. to have this faction. You know, if you've if you've hired the exile as the cats, you have free battles now. That means you mm-hmm. can spend your turn building. You can yep. gain control of a clearing. You can gain rule yep. of a clearing, for example. And if you happen to craft any items and stuff, you can get extra cards and points. And who doesn't want that as the cats? Mm-hmm. Um, lizards, we keep saying lizards are just improved by all these promoted hirelings because they get access to reliable battles. <laughs> yeah. And cards. And like you said, it's like you can do this. Uh, you can do that at any point on your turn. You can get those cards for your rituals. Absolutely. On that turn. Um, what do we think about corvids and like badgers is this like expressly good for them or is it just generally excellent corvids are really crafty so i could see it being good for them also they are scavengers so yeah i think for the same reasons that it's good for river folk i think it's good for corvids yeah badgers badgers it's a little unclear they're they're good at crafting but they won't do it as much often especially early in the game they'll kind of like hold off so they can pump up their uh, retinue. I, I was thinking though that this card would be great uh, if you're the Badgers for kind of two reasons. One is if you need to get through a choke point, you need to like weaken that choke point so you have the rule yeah. to kind of make your way through. Two would be if you need to get rid of somebody else in a clearing that you're already in in order to gain rule of it to recover something. Yeah. So for I, like targeted I... operations, I could see this maybe helping the Badgers. I just don't think you could ever plan for it because you're already like playing 5D chess as it is with that faction. It just feels more dangerous to me if I was a Badgers player. The fact that something hangs out in a forest and can come kill the things in adjacent clearings. Um, Yeah. I'm the faction that surrounds forests. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's going to be used against badgers way more optimally than it's going to be able to be used. Uh, that does feel true. It's like the badgers are and they're like, hi, Mr. Bear. <laughs> <laughs> I just need a piece of jewelry. Yeah, it's a nice acorn necklace you got there under your big paw. <laughs> just going to go ahead and take that. Yeah, okay, great. I, I feel like that's good for who it's... And then who's the counter? We talked about badgers rats because they can't even use the first That's ability so yeah. it really does hose rats <laughs> and just yeah cleaning up the straggling rats going after yeah. the warlord like this is this thing is freaking <laughs> these hirelings in general like hose rats because even with vagabond in the game you don't want to be the rats and with vagabond not in the game you don't want to be the rats now right because the exiles in the game i guess you don't have competition for ruin items okay <laughs> True. Look at the bright side, everyone. True. Who else is this counter? Duchy, right? They're going to hang out in one clearing, and everyone's going to be like, oh, I will give you all the items to go in and wreck the mold. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, I think that would be a very easy team effort. But also the Duchy would benefit from this as well, because they can draw cards. They craft. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely very double-edged. Definitely double-edged. Yeah. Woodland the Alliance? Eerie, the Alliance. Yeah, I mean, the bear's going to wreck wreck the shop, even with um, guerrilla warfare. Right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, this is a good way to soften up the base, maybe. Oof. When the bear is moving into the clearing and battling, well, when it moves into the clearing, it doesn't trigger outrage. Right, because it's not a warrior. Right. And I don't even know if it technically moves into the clearing. Battle in an adjacent clearing. Yeah. Unclear. 
It's kind of like it sticks its arm out of the yeah. woods and then just like slashes. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, or just like with a big club and just goes thunk, donk. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. So um, headline: This is an incredibly powerful hireling. It's super good for um, preparing the way for an offensive or just like wrecking stuff, and then your warriors can follow up and uh, scavenge yeah. what's left. So we're rushing to get it? Ooh, I think so. I I would say yes. It's just yeah. so much more powerful when it's first in there. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Because as the game goes on, people are going to craft items and feed the bear. Yeah. Feed the bear. That's true. And then the bear is woken. That's true. Wow. But you get those three first ones for free. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good from the get. It still could be good to rush because people are going to smack him back, and when he battles, he needs to exhaust two. So if he takes two hits, yeah. he's automatically losing an item. I just think he's going to lose his items a lot, which it's, is fine. It's actually a good at point. the cost of others, but it's you kind have of the perfect hireling you know? to rush for because yes. you get to control how it fights the first two battles, which determines its fate. Yeah. And yes. if it gets weak at the end of that, then great. You're now you're going to pass it off to somebody else who right. can't really do too much with it. And at the same time, you're checking your opponents. It has a maximum uh, of three hits that it can do from the jump, which is probably stronger than most factions could manage at that stage of the game, like the, you know, start of turn three or something. Right. That's like just really good. It's just really good. Yeah. And also, if, if it, I get it. At the beginning, I am trying to ruin it. I want to get those battles, and I want it to get damaged, and then when I pass it off to somebody, everyone has to work to make it better. Exactly, yeah. You want to, you're incentivized to do that, right? Yeah. You want it to be as weak as possible if it's going against you. Right. Um, so, okay, tell us about uh, some of these card interactions, Sam. I was just thinking, like, Marine Broker and Master Engravers. Like, Marine Broker, when you craft an item, draw a card. And then you can use that item to draw another card and score a point. Wow. Or, or Master Engravers, you can craft that item for an extra point and then give it to him for a point and draw a card. So Yikes. Just kind of double dipping on the benefit. Yeah, Master Engravers That's a great uh, is, is pretty broken. I actually love that you've called out Marine Broker because yeah. this sort of touches on the meta game of this hireling. When it's in the game, people are going to try to craft items more often yeah. because it is more valuable in a way the exile is kind of like having master engravers mm-hmm. already crafted but for everybody like universally mm-hmm. um so by crafting marine broker it's like you are piggybacking on that incentive that exists in the game and using mm-hmm. it to gain card advantage which I, I just it's so cool so i guess the in a meta sense, it'd probably be good to focus on mouse crafting in the ENP deck mm. if uh, the exile's in the game. Oh, that's right? interesting. Because yeah. mouse crafting would get you the easiest Marine Broker points. and Master Engravers and the most items. Right. If the, there are more mouse item cards than other. Yeah. So you could rush items, for right? all the bags. You could rush for the T's. Four bags and three T's, right? Two T's. Three bags. No, two bags, two T's. Well, that's the items, but yeah. how many cards are there that let you craft those items? I'm looking it up I mean, right I... now. We have this. We made a spreadsheet <laughs> yeah. that has all of the cards listed for the base deck. Out, listed out like this. So here we go. 
there are four bags yeah in the deck four bags three, three root tea right? four bag what about rabbit for rabbit we have uh three coin cards and four boot cards okay so that's the same yeah okay. but with so, yeah, mouse you have mouse... access to marine broker and master master engravers. Yeah. yeah so i think you're right i think that could be a little hidden strategy is is prime you know, prioritizing mouse clearings. And I would say prioritizing mouse clearings um, where the forest doesn't connect to a lot of clearings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying yeah. to avoid the wrath of the bear. Edge clearings. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, any special teams for the exile? Um, no, I think we already kind of mentioned the like aggro strategy of softening up a clearing and then cleaning up all the cardboard with your follow-up strike force. Great. Then I'm ready to give this one an overall score of 15 out of 16 bear claws. And I'm talking about the donuts. Yeah. (laughs) Because this bear eats them. (laughs) Yeah. He needs the strength. Yeah. Also, I love that... Go ahead. (laughs) Notorious benefit of donuts, strength. (laughs) (laughs) You know how Popeye always housed a good... Baker's dozen before going into battle. <laughs> Popeye going into battle. Um, you guys, I just joined a gym and I went in for like my like fitness consultation or whatever. And they like measured my BMI and stuff, and I literally got told you need to eat more. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that's that's crazy. I have seen you. We used to eat a lot of pizza, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, and you would eat more than half of a pizza, and it would just bounce off of you. I imagine it still does. You don't look different. Oh, so no. he does eat enough is what you're saying. It just doesn't yes. stay in him. It just doesn't take. It's funny because I, I recall stick. from our theater days that like half your calories came from cigarettes at one point. <laughs> That's true, too. Um, okay. Now we have whew, the responsibility, folks, of deciding who gets out of the group. I like doing the best, the best overall, the best combo card front the and best back. Card okay, front and back because yeah. uh, it just feels like sometimes the flip side makes it better, sometimes yeah. it makes it worse. Yeah. It's yeah. just a little more interesting, I think. Okay, so we have the responsibility now of deciding which one of these cards, front and back, from episode, you know, part one and part two, putting them together, which card is the winner of Group A. Wow. I think there's some good candidates here. Um, I want to make an argument for Bluebird Nobles and Last Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a case where Last Dynasty is so good that it brings Bluebird Nobles up with it. Now, Bluebird Nobles might be the worst of the demoted fa- um, factions. Least exciting, uh, maybe. Yeah, Brigand and Bluebird Nobles, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, but at least with the Brigand, it's like, if you get the chance to do it, it's got a cool effect. It feels like Bluebird Nobles, like we mentioned, it doesn't give you an advantage beyond what you would have already had, basically. Uh, but the score one point for every three clearings you rule is kind of good. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Bluebird Nobles, I think, would be my pitch to you guys. How's that landing? It's tough. I I don't know what I'm choosing here because if I had to choose one half of all of these, it might be feline physicians. Really? Wow. Okay. I just feel like the 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 interactions it causes are like 
absolutely earth shattering. Um, more so than just like, oh, being able to check an opponent without using actions or whatever. Like, that's pretty good. But like, feline physicians transforms the crows. True, yeah. And it does allow you to change your approach, right? You can be a little, you can overextend on purpose to hit and be okay. You can counter ambush with any card in your hand, right? Like, it's it's wild. I mean, not any card, any matching card. Yeah. And the flip side, the forest patrol is like, not bad. Like that's a decent. Yeah, I, I that that's the thing is I can't say that that should win the group because I think Forest Patrol is by far the weakest of these promoted hirelings. Really? I don't know. I think it's a toss up between Spring, Spring Uprising? Uprising and Forest. Yeah, Force. I think Spring Uprising is kind of chaotic. I'm actually yeah. really much in agreement with you, Sam, about feline physicians. I actually think it's the cat combo that wins it for me. But I do think. I don't know. I do think that Forest Patrol is pretty freaking good. Just the fact that they're everywhere kind of like gives you the options at the outset, right? And the fact that they can land all of them in one spot and pounce on one place, also very cool. But all the things you said about feline physicians, I think, is what sells it for me. Yeah. It's it's wild that that that's the one. The, it's so oh, good. For me, it's, it's the great. demoted ability. Wherever you I have pieces think... they get to return to. It's not even the, the, the proverbial keep. That's amazing. It's weird because the demoted stuff actually allows you to combo more things. Yeah. Because yes. you're not, like, interacting with extra pieces, and it has all those extra weird rules. Um, So, like, some of the demoted <laughs> stuff is actually more powerful Did we powerful even talk about how good that is for Woodland Alliance when they were moving for Sympathy? When they're yeah. yeah, we like, did. That's yeah. just... <laughs> it's fantastic. That's so freaking cool. Yeah. Um, But for me, on the promoted side, it's... I think it's the exile is is the star. I do agree. I but think I the don't exile like is good. the brigand. The brigand much, is so. weird. I don't think the brigand yeah. is that great. But the exile yeah. is such a powerhouse <laughs> card. Yeah. Here's my thing with the exile though. Is it too good? Like if when it's in the game, are you just afraid to have it in the game because it like it it provides too much of a benefit for its controller and to somebody too often that's not going to be you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean... It's like, if you want to be in the lead in the mid-game, like, hope the exile is not in the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I think we're between the cats and the birds right now. Is that... Am I reading the vibe right? I guess so. Here's what I'll say. I think the exile and the last dynasty are kind of near the same level for me. Yeah. Near the same level. I think the exile might be slightly better. But last dynasty is pretty darn good. Yeah. But their demoted sides are just, like, weird, right? <laughs> yeah. Bluebird Nobles and the Brigand are just kind of strange. Yeah, um, Bluebird Nobles really is kind of nothing. Yeah. yeah it's... Somebody has to win. Somebody right. has to get out of the group. I, right. I don't know. I, I, who's better than the cats at this point? I, like, I feel like I've been convinced that the cats should be elevated above the, the birds. Okay. Then everyone, put your hands together for the winner of Group A. Feline physician slash forest patrol. I love it. I actually, I'm going to say, I did not go into this expecting that that would be the result. The group stage is full of upsets, Kyle. That's right. That's yeah. something you got to It really does feel like it was Argentina with Messi. It was Portugal with Cristiano Ronaldo. And mm-hmm. then some other team just won the group. Morocco. <laughs> yeah, Morocco. That's right. Morocco is here. All right. Um, okay. Okay. Enough about the strategy of the board game. What's the best meeple in the group? 
Well, that's not the Alliance one because it's kind of a boring version of the Alliance. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the Bluebird Nobles are sick. Don't they have like the black eyes? Yeah, they're okay. I don't think they went really well on our Meeple ranking, but we're not referencing that right now. No, that's also yeah, that was us from twenty twenty one. We didn't know. We didn't. I don't even know those guys. Yeah, (laughs) the cats just look like wounded versions of themselves. The cats are exiles. The cats are badass. Um, yeah, I think it's the Exile or the Forest Patrol for the Meeple. What do you think, Kyle? It's the Exile. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, look at that angry bear. It's so funny. It's, the, okay. it's one of the best Meeples in the whole game of Root. <laughs> its size really elevates it, for sure. And the eyebrows. Right. It's like 10 out of 10 eyebrows. <laughs> All right, so cats have won the group, and the best Meeple... Uh, is the exile so um those will move on to the final episode uh which is going to be in some time because we have to go through group b which is the river folk hirelings group c which is the underworld and group d for the marauder hirelings so lots of exciting stuff to come uh in the future of this bracket wow just a, just it really strikes me every show. time that we dive in deep with the hirelings there's like five to ten like special interactions that i've never like it had never occurred to me considered mm-hmm. and it's it, i just get very excited to like play root when i start thinking of the possibilities that like the weird ways that i can squeeze an edge out by using a faction in a certain way or like in combination with one of the factions it's so cool. There's like so many, so yeah. many things to consider. Yeah, with this many powers, even though we talk about this game all the time, we play it all the time. The discovery is still there. We are not experts on all these hireling powers. Um, we've thought about them a lot. We've played with them, but it is still a, an age of discovery. So if you've got any interactions that we've missed, please let us know. Um, and again, the challenge for this week is the first person to listen to that particular part of the episode uh, for the third time. And again, you have to listen to the whole episode. I don't know how you're going to prove it to me, but you best not lie. You best <laughs> Maybe not you lie. could just take a video of yourself listening. Right. To and again, we're coming in at a raw record time of two hours. So I need yeah. a six hour, well, <laughs> like five hour video because it was like in the middle there. <laughs> All right. Close on, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i need it i need to see a clock in the background yeah and today's newspaper or whatever today's day <laughs> awesome well i know that um when it comes to the final uh we've got the cats and we've got the exile and i know what verb i'm going to be using to cheer them on
Um, how, has there been any word on the um, the root breakfast cereal development? I didn't even know there was a starting point on this. <laughs> okay, so it's not going well. Great. Are you talking well, about root that loops? That wasn't what a weekly challenge, right, Kyle? <laughs> Someone developed a I need cereal. To be tracking. <laughs> Kyle has all these side achievements that are just things he wants to see in merchandising. Now it's oh yeah, cereal. unlock a bonus uh, woodland war machine achievement if you develop a root breakfast cereal. <laughs> That's one of the macro goals. That's not this <laughs> week's. This episode's like specific challenge. That is one of the overarching things is produce a cereal. (laughs) All right. People in agriculture heavy states, get on it. (laughs) All you grain barons out there, get on it. I know they're just like blasting this through the loudspeaker at General Mills. So get on it. You mean the house of a guy named General Mills? (laughs) He just runs this huge cereal field. Yeah, he's doing really well in the grain wars, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, but he lost his best captain, <clears throat> Captain Crunch. <laughs> oh, sure. We're keeping all of this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I, I'm truly so impressed, and it makes me very happy to see that people are loving the show and like all that. It's uh, We're here for you guys. I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Have you listened to a podcast through more than once? Yes. Like one yes. that's as long as this one. I've listened yes. to a few like six episode ones multiple times, but I don't know if I've listened to something like with 50 episodes multiple times. Oh, yeah. Super long. Listen multiple times. In fact, it's a podcast that I got turned on to by none other than Root, like OG legend Tristan. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the guy who like first put down in a spreadsheet like how many cards and of what suit they are and oh, broke yeah. it down by crafting cost. There's like a famous graphic out there uh, of like the base deck broken down by like suit and crafting cost. Tristan invented the wheel of root strategy. Yeah, we we ran because Tristan walked. It's literally yes. like that is the giant upon whose shoulders we like <laughs> bumble about. It's a like, regular Nostradamus of the woodland. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Prophesied what was to come. Yeah. So anyway, Tristan posted in I can't even remember like what. I think it was a BGG it, forum. I think it was a BGG forum. Yeah. I think it was a Facebook group back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just around a campfire meetup. Yeah, (laughs) cloaks and tablets. Oh, it was scary. They had real crossbows. Um, No, but so in some forum or whatever, Tristan posted uh, about certain podcasts, like history podcasts, uh, that gave everybody root vibes. Mm. So it's like if you love root, you'll probably enjoy like this history or political podcast. And uh, the one that he mentioned that I got interested in is called Revolutions, a podcast by Mike Mike Duncan, uh, who's an American historian who's famous for his History of Rome podcast way back in the day from the 2000s. I think that came out like while I was in high school. Like I just remember one of my friends listening to it way back then. And then Revolutions, mid 2010s, comes out. And it's basically the history of all the revolutions starting with 
the English Revolution in the 1600s and kind of working its way forward to the final season, which just concluded like six years later, <laughs> uh, the Russian Revolution in the 20th century. And it just kind of goes through them all. It's amazing. I've listened to the whole damn thing <laughs> multiple uh, more times. than once. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've definitely done that too. I'm a consumer of podcasts. If it is about a subject that I am currently wanting to learn more about, I will listen to whatever quality, whatever length it takes to just get (laughs) that drip of information about something I care about. What's an example? Oh, like I just bought a new board game called Dog Park. Okay, that's basically a dog version of Wingspan. Okay, I thought and- you were gonna say a dog version of Twilight Imperium. <laughs> <laughs> All the factions are dogs. I, I mean, I would be buying that game too. <laughs> and you bet, you better believe if I spent that much money on that game, I would be like, all right, I want to hear a bunch of people talk about what they think about it. Yeah, the um, Greyhound, like consortium consortium yeah i was gonna say conspiracy but that was way too close (laughs) yeah the yeah the greyhound faction gets to move uh, all across the board whenever they want but then they have to spend their next 15 turns sleeping (laughs) yeah if they are at any point adjacent to an enemy piece they cower in terror for a full full turn (laughs) the Um, therapy triumphant which also just helps other dogs cope with their poor situations on the board <laughs> it's really sweet oh man someone played that action card that put booties on my dog now they walk all stupid <laughs> um but yeah so like i bought a, a a new board game and so i was just scouring uh spotify like is there any podcast that talks about it and there was one and it was it was a podcast that was about dogs it really wasn't about board games but because this was a dog board game they they talked about it so it was actually really fun to hear like people who don't do board game reviews review a board game because they're really concerned with um how fun and cute it is i've never thought about crossing genres like that we should review animals more often (laughs) we just talk about this board game all the time let's do a segment where we just talk about how great otters are yeah this is our tanuki episode (laughs) otters are up there if we're yeah. going to rank the root animals in real life. That you want to play with? Like, <laughs> yeah, you want to play with an otter. I don't Could know, you imagine? Just like, as a creature. You know? Like, mm-hmm. well, see, spotting, like, two otters in the wild, holding hands, and then they swim up to shore, and then you realize they actually have, like, a little merch table. <laughs> <laughs> Boat rides, four cards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to do it. I think I've got to. Well, you yeah. mean there's with these cute otters. I don't care if they win. It's kind of fun. 